Welcome into episode 44 of the Level Flight Podcast. My name is Connor, and today we've got a full crew. I'm going to be joined by Brian and Elliot for the first time in what feels like forever. And we are talking storylines. We outlined all of our favorite storylines heading into this season, and we are back into a full schedule for September. We're going to be back to recording once a week, previewing the season, training camp content, all of that good stuff. So subscribe if you're not already. And stay up to date with the episodes that we're dropping, and enjoy episode 44. This is Danny Julkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. Maroon center, no! Connor Hellebuck! Golden opportunity, Kyle Connor shoots, and he scores! Kyle Connor! On to Morrissey. Scores! Josh Morrissey in overtime. And the Jets win it 5-4. And welcome into episode 44 of the Level Flight Podcast. My name is Connor, and I am joined by Brian and Elliot today. We're out of the summer, so everyone's here. We got a full crew. Woo-hoo! That's how you know. That's how you know school has started, and uh, we're even a little bit less busier. How are you guys doing, Brian? Doing all right. Uh, it's been a busy week, but we're starting to roll into school now, so it changes gears. It's still busy, but in a different way. So, <laughs> yeah, Elliot. Yeah, I'm good. Um, ever been same with Brian. Been busy, but yeah, school. Still, but still tons of stuff to do. So, but needs more time for the podcast. I will say that. So that's great. There we go. And there's actually going to be some things that we can talk about in the next month with training camp. And for the next two weeks, we'll preview the season uh, or for the next month, we'll preview the season. And then October, there's actual games to talk about. Um, And that'll be fun because we've been talking about speculation and stuff like that for the past month or so. So to finally get to talk about some actual things will be fun. Um, before we get into hockey and the Jets, today we're going to talk about the storylines we're most excited for heading into next season. Um, Canada's men's basketball team is doing some special things at the World Cup right now. Uh, half an hour ago, I want to say, they beat Slovenia in the quarterfinals and they're going to the semifinals now. So at worst, they're playing for bronze. Um have either of you guys kept up and watched? I mean, I think we were all watching that Spain game where they made the miraculous comeback in the fourth. But yeah, what have you guys seen? Like that, this has been a crazy run. Well, the thing that I've just constantly thought about is how this team is going to get better uh, if all everyone actually, you know, declares for, you know, the Olympic play. Yeah. Um, and like, but this team with. You know some of these guys that um I, I i truly think that you're seeing a coming out party for the national basketball team in canada because i feel like a lot of people kind of let that fade a little like especially after like the the steve nash days and it just it hasn't been as captivating but there's so many good players now coming out of the canadian programs where it's just you you have no choice but to watch because they're just must see TV. Yeah, like the crazy thing about this entire team is this is a team of guys excluding Andrew Wiggins because he didn't. Well, I'll get to him in a second, but um, 
essentially this team is guys that have decided and committed to Rowan Barrett, RJ Barrett's dad, that they will be there at every single event, every single practice for three years. Mm-hmm. So this is them culminating after them missing the Olympics um, three years ago, um, which they should have made. They should have won. They should have beaten uh, the Czech Republic, but game happened and this is what it is. I've watched this team from, I've been getting up every day to try to watch all these games. This team just keeps getting better and better. The crazy yeah. thing is, is they're not even considered one of the deepest teams. They, they're considered one of the more talented teams, but not one of the deeper teams. You add to this roster of already a bunch of NBA vets and guys that are good in FIBA, like Kelly Olynyk and a bunch of the, like Nickel Alexander Walker is another guy that is okay in the NBA, really good in FIBA. You add mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, who would have been on this team yeah. if not for injury. Wiggins said that if they made the Olympics, he would commit and come to everything beforehand and go. Um, and there's a bu- there's a bunch of other like I think Brian mentioned we were chatting about the other like Benedict Matherin who just had a good rookie year for the Pacers and I would even think like someone like Zach Eady once he has a little bit more development over this past mm-hmm. year in college now that he's played in a couple of FIBA games like you have to think that this roster going into against twelve other the best quote unquote teams in the world at the Olympics has to have some sort of chance. Like I would actually put them up against the US. If the US doesn't roll out like LeBron, Curry, Kyrie like yeah. sorry, I guess Kyrie can't play for the US technically because he's declared for I believe believe he's declared for Australia. There's a bunch of guys that could play for the US or Australia or this and that. Right. But like if they don't roll out like LeBron and this and whoever I would think the Canadians have a good chance of beating. Like you look at the guard depth on this team already. Mm-hmm. Like Trey Bell Haynes is not a bad point guard either. Like he's a good mm-hmm. FIBA point guard. You replace him with Jamal Murray and you put like RJ Barrett coming off the bench. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like that's nuts. So no, this yeah, team has and- been really fun to watch. And what you yeah, failed and- to mention was the fact that Kelly Olenek is the greatest basketball player. That, that, that's who I was mentioning when I was oh. saying guys who play really well in FIBA. Don't 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 do that. He is Canadian. Kelly is the one of the best. Canadian <laughs> Kelly. No, I I, I will actually oh, argue goodness. that he will next to Steve Nash go down as one of the greatest Canadians to play for the national team. Uh, he has. Okay. He will have. Sure. He will have close to sixty games played. He's yeah. had some huge performances. He's always showed up for the country. He's never like, obviously when there's been contract issues in this net, he's said like, oh, I can't come. Or like mm-hmm. when they're trying to roll out a different roster during the NBA season, obviously he doesn't go. But anytime there's a summer event, he is there. Same with same with Dwight Powell. Him and Dwight Powell will go down as good FIBA players that will be in consideration for, for um Greatest Canadian. Now, obviously, someone like Shade Gilgis Alexander, if he continues, same with RJ yeah. Barrett, if they continue, they can surpass Kelly and Dwight because they they just are better players, unfortunately. But God, if I'm any other nation, I'd love to have a Kelly Olenek on my team, a guy who can dribble around, shoot threes, play a stretch role, also defend yeah. the paint. Like in in FIBA, it's a lot. Like I love how people in the NBA are like, oh, we shoot threes all the time. No, the FIBA game is around spacing, drive kick and shoot threes like that's literally mm-hmm. FIBA so if you if you're a big that can stretch the floor like that's where stretch bigs came from it wasn't from the NBA it was from no, FIBA yeah. and guys coming over from Europe to play so yeah I I think I think this roster is deep but it could get I do think that if they could be a little bit deeper in the big department I think they'd be better because adding those guys just adds you to more guard and wing depth 
mm-hmm. which just makes you insane. Like you just become insane. Also, I just want to shout out um, Houston Rockets, Dylan Brooks for uh, showing up the last two games. I know he did get ejected today, but he should have been ejected or I fouled mean, out in the last game too. So that's a classic Dylan Brooks game. Play good, have some up and downs, and then eventually get tossed in the fourth quarter. <laughs> that's when your like team, it, when your team's other best defender in Lou Dort also has four fouls, and you're playing exactly. the world, so it's just five. Yeah. <laughs> No, this team has been so much fun to watch. Shea Gilgis Alexander is so good. Um, and then you add, yeah, like you said, if the, once they go to the Olympics, they add Jamal Murray, they add Andrew Wiggins. This team's going to be that much more fun to watch. Um, to Paris 2024, I believe, is the mm-hmm. Summer yeah. Olympics coming up. So, how do you th- how do you pass the ball around to everybody? That's what I want to know. How, yeah, how do you get all the touches? Yeah. Wiggins want, will want touches. Murray will want touches. And you've already got Shea and RJ commanding touches. Like, I will say. How the, do you the, figure that out? The team right now is really good at moving the ball. So if they can just carry that over well, and, they, and add in Murray and Wiggins. That I will that I will agree with you at some points. They were better today. Against Slovenia but in, today. Yeah. I, but <laughs> I'll that's say that. because they, they, they looked way more relaxed. Against yeah. Spain and in the other – like. In, against Brazil and against Spain, there was a lot too much one on one. Like Shea was Shea, fine. If you want to go one on one in the fourth quarter when we need you, just get a bucket, fine. But like FIBA is about moving the ball and spreading the ball around. And sometimes some of these guys, they're NBA players, get too NBA happy and they start to try to ISO, and you can't do that in FIBA very much. That's yeah. why the US lost, right? Like, yeah, that's why they yeah, lost it's... to Lithuania. Yeah, it's Jonas Valanciunas. Ignis oh, Brodstakis. Are we going to keep bringing up mid-centers? All right. Let's move on to some hockey. Let's, let's, let's not far. talk any trash about JV. Come on. <laughs> or or Canadian slash Lithuanian Ignis Brodstakis. Valanciunas was good last year. Um, anyway. Yes, he was very good. Anyway, let's let's talk some hockey. Let's talk Jets. We're a Jets podcast. Let's do it. Um, I, I don't know if we are at this point. We're kind of just we, like... We, We've lost the, the plot a little. <laughs> we have. Um, all right. Storylines heading into the season. There is a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of drama, a lot of things to watch for surrounding this Jets team. Uh, they made one huge move in the offseason, Pierre-Luc Dubois for Velarde, Ifall, and Kapari. We've already talked about that. Other than that, they're largely bringing back the exact same roster. Hellebuck and Shai are still here. Yeah, running it back. Um We'll see what ends up happening with Hellebuck and Shifley. That's a storyline we're going to get to. Um, but let's get into it. What is uh, what is one storyline that you guys are really watching for as this season gets underway and deep into the season? Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I mean, on a bit of a lighter note, because it's not imperative to the team's success necessarily. Um, but I, I think it's it's a very interesting thing to follow along as to who gets the captaincy. Um, yeah. I feel like, I mean, on, in the public eye, it's down to two. It's essentially going to be either Morrissey or Lowry. I yeah. feel like Morrissey, at the peak of his season, everyone was crying out for him to you know, get the C before the, the end of the season last year. Mm-hmm. And then, end of the year into the playoffs, suddenly Adam Lowry was just this absolute force, uh, especially like he just seemed to fire up the team more than anyone else. And then suddenly the narrative shifted. It should be Adam Lowry. Um, personally, I'm on the boat of if you're going to give it to someone, give it to someone with a longer term contract, because uh, let's say Lowry, you know, next couple of years, he's he's just Adam Lowry. I, I don't want to see another Damn. three year extension. 
Uh, like he's a good player. Damn. He's, a, he's like a, and if he like that's the thing, like he can play third line center, but he's a better he profiles as a fourth line center. Mm-hmm. And but Josh Morrissey is your number one defenseman who's signed for another four years after exactly. this one. And that, yeah. that's not a slight on Adam Lowry because I, I I have an Adam Lowry jersey. I've had it for a few years. I, I've I, I've I've always been very favorable DLC. to him as he has become what he has over the years and he's not what he was, you know, a few years ago, but he was solved this year. And, but I mean, like he's a guy that after three years, I'm not sure you're looking at giving, you know, a lifetime jet status to. Yeah. It's something to watch for, for sure. Because there was the, the blues goal that Morrissey was firing the crowd up and it was like, Oh my God, captain like that right there. Captain. Uh, there was a, a whole storyline. It was like he's going to the All Star game. When he comes back, he should have a C on his jersey. Like that was a thing that gained serious traction on Jets oh, Twitter, yeah. and people were like, "Oh, they he should come out of the All Star game and have a C on his jersey and like shock the world." And it's like, well, I don't know if they were going to do that, but now yeah. is the time. I don't think you can go two seasons in a row without having a captain. So that's a good thing to bring up. And I think I if if I were making the decision, Morrissey would be the guy for the the reasons you outlined yeah yeah I thought, it's it's kind of weird in a sense sorry brian um because when you talk i don't know you guys probably saw gabe velarde's comments about they asked him who the captain should be and he went oh i thought it was shifley i was and gonna slide went, oh. right into that actually yeah so it's to me connor you also did the poll yesterday who, right who, who Let's you posted on Twitter a, a thread um, with a bunch of polls in it. One of them was about the captaincy. And I actually responded and I said, nobody. And I know mm-hmm. that may surprise both of you, but I still don't think that this team, like I understand that you can say Adam Lowry's potentially, and the players have said this, is the, is the Jets emotional leader. And one of their actual quote unquote leaders is Josh Morrissey. He's one of the leaders in the dressing room. I still don't think this team has you need your cap personally for me. If you're going to make somebody the captain, they need to be your emotional leader and they need to also be that really good player leader. That's going to lead you into battle right now. The jets have that in two different players. Cause I haven't heard anybody yeah. say Josh Morrissey is their emotional leader. So when, yeah, when, you, when I mean, I there's also captain, the, there's also the fight that Lowry had in Minnesota that really rallied the troops. And there was that video of him walking down the tunnel and all the, the defensive scratches were really fired up. That speaks to the emotional leader thing you bring up there. The The poll that you, you brought up is 121 people have voted. 60% have said Josh Morrissey. 29 have said Adam Lowry. And 10% have said nobody. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's kind of leaning more towards Morrissey at this point. Uh, I've seen other media members do other polls and it's been like dead even split 50 50. I've seen Lowry be in the 60 percent part of that. It's it's really dependent on who you ask. Yeah, Um, but I'm of the mindset that they need to name a captain going into next season because I honestly think that's something that hurt them last year was not having a set in stone leader when they were struggling down the stretch. Um, and they still viewed Blake Wheeler as the, as the captain. They came out and said that after the year ended. So yeah. you've got to buck the trend and you've got to say, okay, Wheeler's gone. We have a new captain, a new leader of this team, and it's got to be one of more, more Lowry. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I I kind of like that they didn't last. Excuse me, last year because then the blame went to everybody. Yes, I get that they still picked specific players like Wheeler, mm-hmm. and they still talked to Morrissey and this and that. But I liked that the players said, "Nope, we weren't good tonight," or like not Blake Wheeler going into the scrum and going, "Oh, yeah, I'm taking full responsibility." Like mm-hmm. I. I will share this. I know this is common knowledge to everybody, but I've now been to a couple of bomber games in the media room. And like, I went down and I've now spoken to Zach Claris and I'm in the scrum with him and I get, it's a different sport, but like Claris is taking responsibility for like everything on offense. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. some of the problems, like, like when Brady fumbled, that's not your, like, that's not your problem. That's Brady. Brady made that mistake, right? right. And he's like, well, yeah, we need to clean up. We need to do this and that. And so I get that Kolaris can do that because he's the the quarterback is normally the leader of your football team. But in hockey, it's different. Like, I, I get that you can pinpoint one player, but it's different when your quote-unquote best player isn't your captain. Like, I, I kind of think of it like the Leafs. Like, we're, while John Tavares for a while, while Matthews was still becoming a good player was like Tavares was the captain right and people Mm -hmm. were like oh Tavares is still the best player so he should take responsibility when he doesn't score and he doesn't show up in big moments right so I liked last year that the Jets that Rick Bonus and the Jets said nope you guys need to fix the locker room issues so you all need to take accountability so if they can continue that and name a captain fine but if it goes straight back to one player's taking all the responsibility and they feel like they're higher than everybody else and I don't want it that's that's a fair fair statement to make. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Um, I'll let you take the next storyline, Elliot. What are you looking for going into this season? I'm looking at um, it's kind of a combination of the two. The first when we were chatting, actually, um, Connor had brought up roster construction, and I think is one trade where you're technically. I'm not going to count the Blake Wheeler was a they released him. Or they bought him mm-hmm. out. Sorry, um, to use correct terminology, they bought him out. I'm not counting that. You're you trade Pierre Luc Dubois away to LA. You get rid of one player, and you're getting back three. I is adding three players essentially enough for the Jets to quote unquote contend. And for me, I don't know if like that's a storyline. I don't I don't know if that's enough. That is a storyline. Are the Jets improved? Yeah, I, like, I don't know. If they, yeah. Is that improved? And we saw over Jets Twitter, this is another thing to talk about in that roster construction, is is the decor. There was no changes after last year. They said after, well, at the draft, Kevin Sheveldayoff said he wanted to make some moves and do this and that and try to open up spots for defensemen. Well, he hasn't done that. He's kept, he, he's re-signed Logan Stanley. That's essentially all he's done to the decor. He brought back Logan Stanley, which means that there's still a logjam on defense, he didn't trade yep. a Schmidt. He didn't trade a Dylan. He didn't trade a DeMello. He didn't trade anybody. He didn't mo- let guys go that were he was trying to make room for. So I think mm-hmm. that is also something because we talked about the defensive core last year was iffy up and down. Some guys had really good year, a really good year. Some guys didn't have a good year. And some guys just were all over the place, a.k.a. Neil Pionk. Um, so it's... It's hard to say with roster construction by adding three forwards, which technically this team's forward group was supposed to be the strength of this team, other mm-hmm. than goaltending. You don't add anybody to defense or move anybody. So I, I don't know if roster construction, is this a better team? I don't think it is. I think it's around the exact yeah. same. Yeah, I 
my longest article of the offseason so far was that very question was are the jets an improved roster heading into the season because it's a multi-layered question for sure and the fact that their lineup is deeper up front uh it's better defensively up front uh you add i follow into the middle six uh if one of velarde and perfetti can take over that second line center role i think their forward core is a little improved now does the defense core regress a little bit does Carter Hellebuck maybe regress a little bit? Those are things you can't really predict. Um, except for the fact that Josh Morrissey's going to regress from 78 points. That was when when hot when, take. No, not a hot take. When a defenseman no, is at 30 points his entire career and then juts up to 80, he's gonna come back down to 60, 50, 60 range. Yeah. Um, but back to your original question. Is this team improved? I, I agree with you. I think it's somewhat the same. I lean towards the slightly improved but then there's yeah. the looming question of hellebuck and shifley and it's like well if they don't even play the whole season with the jets then they're definitely not improved right unless they uh, bring players back and it's not just draft I, capital but if you're trading away hellebuck it's gonna be like future assets coming back yeah. because no team that trades for connor hellebuck is going to be worried about the future they're just going to be like we're trying to win right now um i'll let brian we know you're on the phone but yeah i'll let brian take a stab at this this question here i i've been stewing over this all off season where it's just i don't see a single situation where if they're in the hunt they trade either of shifley or hellebuck yeah and we know what that means then that means we're losing two key players for nothing one more key than the, the next but you're still like the thing shifley likely with him having a contract year coming up here he's probably going to have the best season of his career and he's coming off he's a 40 plus goal scorer yep uh and then you've got hellebuck which we've spent episodes upon episodes talking about his importance so i'm not going to hash that everyone knows <laughs> and he's also probably going to have a better year this year because he has a, a competent backup and he's not going to have to play all the time and yeah, it's the unfortunate fact of the matter is maybe one or both of them, you know, see strides towards a better direction and they change their minds. But everything that we've seen so far make it seem like if they're not dealt, they will be walking. Um, yeah. I mean, Hellebuck more so is because actually we heard something uh, from the athletic from that where it was that he his next contract extension will not be with the Jets. We haven't heard much out of the Shifley camp. A lot of this is just assumption. Um, yeah. But that's the thing where it's like, I don't really know where the organization's at on that either because let's be real, like this market is kind of soured on how Shifley, his, uh, you know, his general reputation is not positive right now. Let's say that. But what you regardless of what that is, is he scored 40 goals last year yeah and also someone has to play center like yeah you can't just trade away uh, i guess the we boston have two of those the boston bruins are trying that strategy this year we'll see how it works out for them the no yeah. center strategy um like adam lowry can't be this team's first line center someone has to be a top six center and that's why i made the take i think a few weeks ago that i think they should extend mark shifley as, as long as the price is right yeah Someone has to play. I, I I wouldn't have an issue with it because, like, let's be real. Uh, his game is frustrating at times. 
Um, probably not the most frustrating on the team, though. So I, I bring that up a fair amount. Um, but losing 40 goals suddenly puts you in a realm of, oh, oh my God, they're really not a good team anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not making that up. I, I, I agree that I think that you need to bring one of these two back. I, but I genuinely think that because Mark Shifley has been so wishy-washy, I think you actually personally, and this may be a hot take for some, um, I think if there's a better chance to convince Connor Hellebuck that this team is a quote unquote contender and pushing for the playoffs, then they can convince Shifley to just to stay. Yeah. Because all Hellebuck wants to play for is a winner. So if you can convince Hellebuck that this team is, we're trying to win, we're, if they made moves at the deadline and said, look, we traded for this, if they actually did make moves at the deadline, because I don't know if they know how to do that. Um, but if they actually went for a target and said, or two targets and went, we went for you and you, and we've now bolstered, let's say, the defense, because I think that's where they need to do that, mm-hmm. um, then you can convince Hellebuck to say, hey, just sign a, three year two or three year extension then if you want another two to three years we can do that after a year we can try to make something work right like mm-hmm. but yeah. i think i think trying to keep mark shifley at this point for me i kind of think is null and void i don't really think that there's much you can do to keep him because hellebuck has said i will stay here as long as you can provide me a contender that i am that is playing in front of me but if you can't do that i won't be here so yeah Winning, winning fixes everything. That's the yep. the same. Well, unless you're Mark because if you're winning, you still want out because you want more money. Well, I I don't know if the Jets can be classified as a winner these last couple oh. of years. I I don't think so. they've been a winner for a long time. Yeah, actually not that. Well, yeah, I was gonna say 2017, 2018, which I guess that's not that long ago, but yeah, it only it took us up. 20 minutes and 10 minutes of a basketball conversation to bring up 2018. <laughs> We're getting better. <laughs> We're getting better. Um, God, I hate being the franchise that reminisces all the time about previous, yeah. previous runs. But at least, but at least we're not talking about like 1975 or something. Like we could be talking about Avco Cup wins over here. But Avco Cup, man, those were the days. Um, oh wow, yeah, those late 70s. Um, wow. Dynasty. But before we move on to the next storyline here, uh, I'm gonna quickly provide a. Wonderful word from our friends at DraftKings. Um, can you believe that we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with uh, game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY or 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-QUADRUPLE-7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see 
dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources uh, are there for your availability. Uh, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL's back. The NFL's so back. I'm so ready. Are you On sure? Thursday, Chiefs, Lions. Oh um, my God, what a matchup. It actually is. The Lions are like the Cinderella yeah, breakout team. No, that that yeah, Lions um, team is actually going to be yeah. good. Oh, yeah. it, it pains it, me it, to it, say that. Yeah, I was just going to say, aren't they in your division? With the with the Packers hoodie on. Listen, wow. I, I'm I'm a realistic <laughs> fan. <laughs> I, I like, realistically know that the Colts will still be picking top five next year. No, yeah. they're going to be relegated. This is to the CFL. No, they're going to play in the XFL. I I wonder. I I know this is way off topic because we've already talked about NFL and it's kind of off topic. But I, you do know that they were considering that, right? Like the CFL being like the feeder league to the NFL and this and that. Like they were debating about like a couple years ago. Like there were there were talks and stuff, and then that's why they're making all these other football leagues, like the AFL, the XFL, Mm -hmm. whatever. They're they're the NFL. The people are thinking the NFL is still trying to build these leagues up enough so that. They have they can these, have a like, developmental feed. league. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That would be really interesting if the NFL did, because as a Niners fan, you know, you could give a guy that needs some reps, some, some reps. If, if they were to need one, you know, instead of just trading him away for a fourth round pick Anyways, so the Cowboys for him to be, a, for him to be a backup again. Oh, I hope, I, I genuinely hope that it comes back to bite them. I genuinely like, hope that way Dak down the Prescott road. just retires this year like Andrew Luck did for no apparent reason, and then just Trey Lance becomes the starting quarterback. Another yeah. – the QB University of North Dakota State. Oh, yeah. Anyways, Press back to play. the Jets. We've had to go back to the Jets one too many times today. Yeah. We yeah, should just okay. – let's just make another podcast that's random oh, topics we should. at this point. The Level 5 um, Podcast Network. <laughs> yeah let's do it and it's all um, just us it's no other part po- it's no other sh- like people that run the show it's just us it's just us yeah just us three um let's get into some more storylines i've got a few to bring up here i brought it up earlier and i want to get your guys thoughts on it the second line center role coming out of training camp because i think this that spot in the roster is the key to the jets being improved this year if you want to talk about they're deeper up front, they're bringing back the same decor, Carter Hellebuck, maybe another Vesna runner-up, Vesna Trophy winning season, potentially from him. If the second line center role is won and dominated and like carried through by Gabriel Velarde, I think this forward core is like filled out very, very well. But if there could be a hole there at second line center, maybe Velarde and Perfetti don't look great at center, and then they have to play Nemestikov as their second line center starting out of training camp, right? Because they need a veteran. Um, if if you guys were to bet right now, who would be your your betting favorite to come out of training camp as a second-line center? I'll start with you, Brian. I'm going a name that you didn't touch on as much. I think Cole Perfetti gets a look. Mm. Yeah. I, I truly do because, I mean, it felt like last year would have been a good time to see it, um, but then he got hurt. Yep. Uh, but I think a healthy Cole Perfetti down the middle uh, will be a welcome development to this team. Obviously, there's options, mm-hmm. but I, I truly think out of camp, it'd be nice to see that um, as sort of the 
the the welcome surprise that oh they're playing him down the middle and he looks decent coming out of out of camp. Um, but I, I honestly though, if, if Perfetti looks good at center, then suddenly the rest of your depth is significantly better. Exactly. That's that's the yeah. point I was making with the second line center. I mean, if Perfetti can fill in there, the like they have so many wingers that can fill out the top three lines, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of one of those two players breaking out. Elliot, do you agree? Are you on the Perfetti train, or are you lean more? Valid? I would like. I'd like to be on the Perfetti train. I think it's one. I think he him being in the middle as a playmaker is great. But yeah. I think the other big thing is. We he's been on the wing and he continues to injure his shoulder, injure this, injure that, right? So from what I'm understanding, obviously hockey's not a safe sport by any means, but <laughs> center is normally might be a better place for him because he might not have to be along the boards as much. He might be able to be a little bit more protected. Yeah. Now, do I want Gabe Velarde to be the center? I think that would also be a good option. But then you'd have to put Perfetti on the wing and you got to hope that he stays healthy and you kind of right. just have to cross your fingers and hope that some big power forward doesn't crunch him into the wall. Right. So I, I think I think for this team, either option is good, but I would hazard a guess to say that Perfetti probably gets the first look. And then if that doesn't work, then it's Perfetti. Like, like I think, let's say in the training camp, they do preseason, Perfetti looks okay. I'd say 10 games in, if Perfetti isn't performing to the standard that the Jets want, I think that yeah. then Velarde gets moved in. Like, I think he gets like a 10-game stretch, then Velarde gets like 10 games. And then if that doesn't work, then they go to Nemestikov and the other two are on the wings. But yeah. I think having, if you have, Oh, Elliot. Did his we mic just, just lost go up? Elliot's mic. Oh, because I hit the button. That's what oh, happened. There you go. <laughs> You're in the middle yourself. of a great yeah, point. Yeah, I mean yeah. myself. Um, anyway, uh, where was I? Now I don't know where I was. You're talking about the 10 game stretches with Perfetti, Velarde, Nemesikov. Yeah. So after that, I said, if you can have, um, <laughs> as Brian just, technical difficulties, it's okay. We, we have a new setup, as everyone can see. Um, <laughs> yes. So, Anyway, yeah, if you have to take Nemesikov and either put him on the wing or if he ends up being your third-line center, that then bumps Adam Lowry to four. Now, right. I know people have talked about Kupari being the four, but he can also play on the wing. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't worry about that. He'll be in the lineup no matter what. He's just a depth forward at this point. So whether that's fourth-line center or fourth-line wing, whatever. Um, but if you can have essentially where your top six is like I don't know, Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, um, let's say Velarde, Cole Perfetti down the middle, and Nino Niederreiter, and you either flip yeah. Velarde or Nino, whatever way you, whichever way you want. I'm just saying, here's your center, here's your wingers. And your third line is like Nemestikov, somebody else, and Lowry's your fourth line with Kupari. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think, I think I'd rather have them move Perfetti from a wing spot to a center spot because it opens up more slots on the wings for other guys. And yeah. there's other guys that are more positionally flexible than someone like a Perfetti, right? So, um, and I, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the thing I want to bring up to your guys' point is Kevin Sheveldayoff at the draft mentioned how Perfetti was drafted to be a center, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, we just traded away Dubois, but Perfetti was drafted to be a center, so maybe he'll get a look kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's organizationally that's maybe where their mind is at 
Uh, but I agree. Putting Perfetti down the middle with, like you said, Niederreiter, Velarde, size and speed and skill on his wings to kind of protect him a little bit and keep him in, in the middle of the ice where he won't get those shoulders hit into the boards as much. Yeah. Um, that's that I think is the key, keeping him healthy because he can't lose another year to injury. Like we can't be three years in a row that this happens. Yeah, he he, he had healthy. he had a, such a good year last year up until his injury, and it was good yeah. development. So if he can, but here's great. the other thing: we also have to hope that he comes back and is the sim as is a similar player. Mm-hmm. We don't know that right now. We don't know if he will be a similar player or if his development is now stunted and he is now. We need him continuing on an upwards trajectory. Even even at the same level he was playing at last year, I think he's a, a good top six option. Um, yeah. Even at, even at worst, like a third wheel on a line being kind of carried in a sense by two other players. Uh, like he he played great with Blake Wheeler last year, and that was like a weird Which, that's combination. Two pa- that's two passes. Yeah, and it was like, like, how do these two work together? But they did. Um, and I think maybe just yes. Perfetti's just that flexible. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he is. Um, that's honestly something. Probably the biggest storyline for training camp that I'm watching. Um, another one, and I think the last one we're going to bring up before we've got a little bit of a, a quiz that I the guys don't know about yet. But I'm Connor, I'm scared. I'm saving. I, I'm really excited. And Brian's been scared this entire time because uh, Connor's mentioned it in the group chat. And I'm just like, I'm super well. excited. I was like, I'm just super excited. This sounds great. Go ahead, Connor. Go go with your last point. Yes, last last storyline, and everyone will remember it well. I'll set the stage. Rick Bonus, after the Jets get after the Jets get eliminated by Vegas, comes to the podium and spends a minute and a half at the podium. We all know what he said. Um, the players didn't like it. Um, will that carry into next season? Uh, they Rick Bonus has obviously been coaching since well before any of us were born. So he's a pro's pro when it comes to being a coach. Um, and he's he'll be able to get past it. Will the players, um, the new captain, if they name one, are they going to be able to just kind of sweep that under the rug and play freely for their coach uh, the same way they did last year, right? Now, Rick Bonus didn't say anything that you can't come back from. I'm just saying is if if the Jets <laughs> come out in the first four games and look great, and then the next four games look terrible, and Rick Bonus says, oh, we didn't have any pushback tonight, does everyone freak out? And go like, wow! Oh my God, he said he said the the p word. Um, but we'll see. It's it's definitely something to keep an eye on. It's a question that I've gotten a lot in like my Twitter comments, um, basically asking, do I think Rick Bonus and the players will be fine? I think they'll be fine. Rick Bonus is a pro; these are professional athletes. Yeah. But if you see the same issues popping up last year, and Rick Bonus brings it up, that's when you'll start to be like, uh oh what what's going on here because that that could totally be thing do you guys kind of agree elliot yeah i think that um like i think that the players this will still be affecting the players at least for a bit like i think he needs to have a i'm hoping he did the same thing he did last offseason he called every single player i hope he apologized to all of them i mean actually no i hope he didn't apologize but he did I'm sure... uh in his end of season thing he said i i shouldn't have spoken after uh like being that emotional after a loss, I shouldn't yeah, have spoken, but, like, but I'll never put up with a performance like that. Is that but my, my, but my thing is, is like, my thing is, is if you're that fired up, that's how you genuinely feel. Yeah. And, and as a coach, you should be able to say that you're as a player personally, as someone who has played high level, I know in a different sport, but played high level basketball, 
I when my coach said when my coaches have said I didn't like this performance or that was sorry and I don't know if you tried hard enough. And he and and, and as long as they don't say it all the time, because if they say it all the time, then fine. Then don't credit <laughs> what they say at the end of the season or whatever and or in the final game. But if that's the first time that they've said that, how bonus how bonus said it was you guys didn't essentially you guys didn't try hard enough that lights a fire under me that okay fine then i'm gonna go out there and prove it to you and those guys are all competitors so at the end of the day that shouldn't have hurt them as bad as it did but either way for all of their egos to massage their egos i hope he obviously yes he did apologize i think i think it'll be fine i i I think the to begin the season i think it'll be a slight issue for the first bit of the season but I think as soon as the season kind of gets rolling and guys start worrying about other things, that will all get kind of left and they'll just say it was last. Uh, and I'm hoping maybe even at going into the year, somebody in the media last, asks, yeah. At, some, yeah. yeah, somebody somebody mentions it and goes, so how did that go over with the start of the year? And some player goes, nope, we've all left it in last season. New season now, we're, move, we're moving forward. I'm hoping somebody yeah. said, I'm hoping somebody asked that. I'd love to be um, in the scrum or in the media room for that. I don't think I will be, but I'd love to uh, love to ask that because that, that would be my first question. How, how do you guys feel about about what happened last year with bonuses comments to end the season? Oh, he muted himself again. <sighs> See, I can't yeah. move my thumb. This is terrible. Move your thumb. <laughs> I, I'm, I have to hold the mic. I don't have my stand right now. Um, yeah. Anyway, I was rambling anyways, so I think that was my cue to, yeah. It was a sign. It was a sign that I should just stop because I was rambling. Anyway, you all get my point. It could be a problem, but there's a chance that it might not be. Yeah. Brian, do you, do you think it'll come up at all? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm with Elliot. I think it comes up briefly probably because it was such a big topic in the end of year. Um, but as Elliot said, I think it's squashed quickly by whoever's asked being like, yeah, it's in the past. It's whatever. Um, and honestly, aside from that, I have no original thoughts on the matter because both you guys kind of encapsulated it perfectly because I think it's a bigger deal or not as big of a deal as people are making it. Cause Mm -hmm. like it's, I, I have a feel, I feel like most coaches do that and it's just, we haven't heard it in a while in the, in the market. So, yeah. Um, but no, I uh, I don't I don't think it's going to be too big of a carryover, if anything. Yeah, I don't think I agree with you. I don't think it's a big deal until it becomes a big deal. Like if something were to happen, it's something to monitor because if again, if they struggle out of the gate, um, it could be could be something that comes up. But And that right there is going to be the end of today's episode. If you enjoyed, leave us a review. We really appreciate you guys listening, and we're so excited to get back to our regular recording schedule with the three of us. You heard us allude to a quiz. That episode is going to be coming out Monday, so stay tuned for that. For the time being, thank you for listening, and see you next week. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.